0: Oh, good morning, people of Resurrection. You are very welcome this day to come and find your place in the pew, in this sanctuary, in God's space here with us this morning. You may be singing, I need you. I need you, God. Wherever you come from in your life journey, whatever brings you here this morning, you may be singing, I need you. Oh, God, come this day. I need you from each of those places in our hearts and our journeys that may be feeling a void or just feeling absence or wondering if we can make a difference, wondering what is for us to do in this world, what our mission or what our purpose, what our meeting might be. All those places we come and we look for a place to sit, maybe it's one we think has our name on it already because we sit there every Sunday. Maybe it's the first time we made it in, and we're saying, Okay, let me just find something that feels safe. Maybe close to a door or close to an aisle. You know, maybe not too crowded. But we come from all these places singing, Both I Need You, wondering if we can make a difference. And Jesus says, Come to me, follow me. You can make a difference. We can do this together. We can create one world, we can create a vision. We can create God's kingdom here and now. Each and every time we say yes, yes to love, yes to you, O God, we create God's kingdom here and now. This one world, this vision, all these voices coming together to sing, to create, to make something fresh and new so that we may hear, yes, together we make a difference Where are you coming from today? Are you ready to be a part of this body of Christ? Not just doing it on your own, but this body of Christ making a difference in the world, making a difference together. I don't know if you noticed in the scripture, but even Jesus didn't do it alone. The first thing Jesus does when he gets started is he invites people to come along with him. He doesn't stand out on the march just saying, here we go, you know. He sees people on the beach and invites them to come along the journey, to walk alongside him and him to walk alongside them as they learn what it means to create this kingdom right here in this place, in this society where the very people he was calling were sometimes outcast. The very people he was pulling into this journey with him were people who knew life could be better but didn't know quite how to make it better. They were tending their own lives. They were fishing, fishing, uh, Simon and Andrew were fishing, and James and John were tent- mending the nets. I don't know if you know anything about net fishing, but once you've hauled something in, you usually have to fix the nets. You know, it's not just going out there and fishing, it's making sure everything's ready. And it's constant task of mending. Have you ever seen anyone try to mend a fishing net? You know, it's this big thing. You know, it's bigger than the person when they've got it all stretched out. And they know there's a hole in there somewhere they've got to fix You know, and they get in the middle of the net, and they're holding it with their hands looking. They might even use a foot to push it out to the side, and then they might take their thread and try to get it where it needs to be, or their rope to fix and mend a net. I think that's how all of us sometimes live our lives. We know there's something in there that needs fixing, and we start the search to try and find it. Stretch it out, look, pull, see, where is it, and what do we need to do? And sometimes we get so entranced by the net, we're trying to fix the net, just ensnares us itself, you know? and we can, we hear the voice saying, I'm calling you into a different way of being, I'm calling you from this net mending, I'm prying it out of your hands. It may feel like a void, because our hands are so used to being busy with that net, may feel like we don't know what to do if they're not stretched and working and tasking and it may just feel empty and Jesus just says follow me follow me into this unknown journey that we can go on together can we be pulled away from what we know can we be pulled away what would make us change so radically today a new job offer A new love? A marriage proposal? You know, what would make us leave something that we're so attached to, to go on this journey with Jesus? A chance to make a difference in the world? What would it be for you? Maybe it's something that shakes you up. Maybe a parent's death. Maybe a friend's departure. Maybe a pastor leaving and going on a journey herself because she's heard Jesus say, follow me. What would it be for you to be able to say yes to Jesus' request? For your hands to be pried loose, as Nepo says, to feel the void, and to be willing to walk right into it, trusting the God who loves you? Oh, my goodness. For some of us, it may mean hitting bottom. We might be able to walk a new way. Sometimes I feel like we just want to admire the disciples just want to admire them. Isn't that great they could do that? Isn't that great Kristen can do that? Isn't that wonderful? Let me mend my net a little more. Isn't that fantastic that they could hear Jesus and just take off like that? You know, let's admire them a little more. Or we might come at it this way. Okay, you know, I can't do that, but maybe I can be just a little bit better. Maybe I don't have to follow Jesus all the way. Maybe I can have a little bit of control in this situation and just be better. I can do better, you know? Where is the place for grace in doing better? Where is the place for God to receive you into the deepest parts of your heart if you're just so busy keep trying to fix that net better and better and better? When God's calling you from that task into a new identity, into a new being, boy, one of our board members, I tease him because whenever you're working on something with a computer with him, he, he has a hard time letting you use the mouse. And inevitably, after you get in the decision, in the task a little while, Manuel, then <laughs> he, he, he'll make his way around your desk and say, can I drive? And he'll take the mouse. I think that's sometimes what we want to do with God. God calling us into a new way of being. Can I drive? Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me drive. Please let me drive. Pry my hands off of that steering wheel. Pry my hands off of that mouse. God's calling us to drop everything into this form of discipleship. And we don't just need to admire it. We need to wonder what that's calling us for in our lives to do. What are we called from and what are we called towards? How are we letting God drive in this situation? Have you ever dropped everything before? On Christmas Day, I was in Fort Worth with my youngest sister, Christy, who is 20 years younger than me and has five kids. That's a shock for Walter and I whenever we visit. It is a shock, but we love our nieces and nephews, and they're each just about two years apart, and so you get this wonderful 14, 12, 10 sort of thing going down, and well, one's an infant, so not quite two years apart, but as we visit them, we enjoy being with family, and one of the kids' things they've loved for me to do with them is to really just throw them around. They love for me to pick them up like a plane and go around like this, but you know, they're getting bigger, (laughs) and I'm getting older. And I'm getting older, but they still like this thing we started when they were two and three, even though they're now 14 and 12 and 10. (laughs) And so as this is the first time I visited them in their new house, went to see it and visit them in Fort Worth. And as we were visiting, they were showing us their rooms. It's the first time each kid has had their own bedroom, at least the ones that can walk. First time they've each had their own bedroom. So they're proud, showing me their room. And, and Allie Faith is number three of five. You can imagine what that's like, being number three of five in the middle. And we go to Allie Faith's room, and she's showing me She's proud of her bed and her closet and her toys. And then she reverts back to the airplane thing. You know, and, she's, and she says, Uncle Troy, Uncle Troy, can I climb on your shoulders? Because this is what she's been doing for a long time. Even though now she's 10 and 80 pounds. <laughs> still small, thankfully, and so Uncle Troy, at now 55, says, Sure, Allie Faith, you can climb on my shoulders. So I go over to the dresser, she gets on her chair, gets on the dresser, climbs on my shoulders, and she's happy, and she's giggling and smiling, and we do the little thing where we lean this way and lean this way, and she screams and she screams. We lean forward, we lean backward, she screams and she screams. say, Okay, I remember this. I remember this. And then we walk out into the hallway, and as we cross it, I'm doing the same thing. And all of a sudden, I hear this, stop, Troy, stop. And everyone is down in the family room looking at us, because in this new home, when you walk out of her room into the space, you walk into this hallway that's in the middle of the air. And so when I'm doing this, she's looking out, and she has screamed. She has shrieked in fear. You know, it has scared her. And I'm unaware of her fear, so I'm still doing the thing, you know? And so the parents, my sister runs from the kitchen, stop Troy! Her father runs from the study and says, stop Troy! Everyone stopped everything. Everyone stopped everything. I don't know what was burning in the kitchen. I don't know what was happening anywhere, but they knew the scream. They knew it was different from the other screams, they knew it was urgent. And they knew they had to drop whatever they were doing and go at that moment and pay attention. And when they got there, they fixed the situation. But they knew their daughter's scream. They knew the difference between that which was play and that which was just outright fear. I want us to wonder, what do we drop everything for? When do we hear such a scream, such an urgency, something that important in our life? that we drop everything else for it. Back in the 80s, we heard a lot of screams. We heard a lot of people dying of HIV and AIDS. And we heard them screaming, can I be loved? Can I be touched? Will people eat with me? Will you pray with me? Can we celebrate communion? Can we take from the same cup? And we heard the screams, and many of us responded. He was hearing those screams in my life that made me drop everything and go back to seminary, sell my townhouse, not know if I was going to have a job or not, but just go. Because there was something urgent that needed a response to it, something that needed attention that I needed to go towards. And I felt God in the scream. I felt God saying, Troy, you can make a difference. If you say yes, if you say yes, you can make a difference. Sometimes we're aware of the fierce urgency of now, as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called it, the fierce urgency of this moment, the fierce urgency of being called to make a difference, called to change the world. Where is that in our journey today at Resurrection? Where is that in your journey? In the scripture story today, it begins with three words. After John's arrest. After John's arrest, Jesus appeared preaching. After John's arrest, Jesus shows up. I wonder if it was a scream. I wonder Jesus, if Jesus hears John being arrested after he's just been baptized by the his cousin, and if the scream is so loud, Jesus says, we have to make a difference and bring the kingdom right here into this time and this place where people aren't sure they're loved, where oppression reigns. What can we do together? And Jesus, knowing he can't do it alone, he calls people. He starts with John's word, John's words, the repent and believe, change your heart and believe, But Jesus uses the words a little bit differently. He uses them in such a way that means keep on changing your heart. You're never done changing your heart. Keep on changing your heart. Keep on believing. Keep on believing something that has to be refreshed. It's not a a once-in-a-lifetime moment. And we know sometimes this is preached that way. Oh, you're saved. Thanks be to God. Goodbye. You know, Jesus is not saying that. Jesus is saying, keep on each and every day. Keep on changing your heart. Keep on believing. And then Jesus does something very different with it, he says. And the way to do that, keeping on, keeping on, is to follow me. Jesus is not calling them into a private sanctuary, into a personal spirituality, into a blessed prayer closet. Jesus is calling them into public ministry where they might risk their lives, or they might risk their welfare. Jesus, that sounds good, but I need to mend these nets because I need to have shelter and warmth and food on the table. Jesus, there's a lot that I need to pay attention to right now. I don't know if I can do that or not. But Jesus says, keep on renewing, keep on believing, follow me. We will make a difference. He doesn't ask them to keep holding the net and just add another thing on the checklist to check off. He asks them to change their way of believing and their way of being, not to be just fishers, to be be fishers of people, not to be about the task of fishing, but to be new beings, new creations. Each time we say yes, to such an invitation, God's kingdom comes. Each time we learn more about love, more about justice, more about hope, God's kingdom comes. We're not asked to be perfect, but we're asked to disentangle ourselves from our nets and wonder what it means to make a difference in the world. And we're not asked to do it all on our own, but to do it with one another. We're asked to trust that we can stand beside each other, sing beside each other, work beside each other, and together we create this body of Christ that changes the world. Are you able to hear Jesus screaming? I know we want a nice, gentle little tug at our heart. But when it's the fierce urgency of now, when it's teenagers that still try to kill themselves, when it's people that are still denied good access to health care, when it's people that are still being killed by our country, by our vote, with capital punishment, when it's still violence as an answer instead of kindness and compassion, is there a fierce urgency of now that we're called into, to respond to, to be God's people? What are we called to do in this public way? Jesus isn't saying, go home, James, John, Simon, Andrew, Jesus is saying, let's go out into the world together. At Resurrection Church, we've been this past year doing our strategic planning process. Part of that process had many steps, and some of you participated in questionnaires on the internet, some of you came to forums, but I want to share with you just a couple of phrases from that, because it's part of our shared vision together, it's a part of who we are as a people of God, it's a part of what resonated with you and what you brought up over and over again And so when we talk about vision and being called into a new vision, into a new world, what it could look like, I want you to share with you this part from our statement. Our vision is to boldly experience, engage, and embody our faith, to transform ourselves and the world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. Our vision is to boldly experience, boldly engage, boldly embody our faith. Let's not go home. And to transform ourselves and the world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. Can that grab you? You see, we've heard the screams of those who don't believe that this word is for them. We've heard the screams of those who know that they're just unlovable. We've heard the screams of those who know that it's just too tough to change anything. I might as well not try. We've heard those screams. And we know that this body of Christ, listening to Jesus, can make a difference. By living out our faith, by embodying it, and transforming ourselves and others. And when you hear the screams, you have to take some kind of action. And so the one phrase under this says this and i love this part of it through christ like action we will seek to love god and love our neighbor by doing justice practicing kindness and walking humbly with god y'all might recognize those phrases we use them a lot around here but do you say them a lot maybe on in the car on your way to work okay i'm about doing justice today practicing kindness and walking humbly with god This is what I'm called to do and be as a part of the body of Christ. How do we incorporate that and embody it in such a way that we live it in each and every breath? Through Christ-like action, we seek to love God and love our neighbor by doing justice, practicing kindness, and walking humbly with God. It's a lifelong task. It's not, okay, I believe, check it off, go home. It's something we put into practice each and every day. A group of us will be practicing this on February 17th. Some of us are going to go to Austin and lobby our legislators. It's not a task I love, but it's a task that's necessary. And I'll be in the car there with that group of people doing that good work. Where will you be each and every day this week? Where will you be practicing kindness? Where will you be doing justice? Where will you be walking humbly with God Because with God we can, where we might not be able to on our own, we know that with God we can, over and over again we're called to change our hearts and to believe. From our kitchens, from the sofas and the TV, from the internet, from success, we are called into meaning and purpose, into making a difference, into hearing God's claim and call upon our life, into the fierce urgency of now because the world The world is screaming. God's love is the answer. With God, we can. With God, we can. Amen.